Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So we have almost covered all the amendments in the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments in the Constitution, but we have a few left that we haven't covered. And today I want to talk about the Fifth Amendment, which I think is incredibly important. I have a hard time saying that any amendment is more important than the others because they are all, they all kind of like support each other. But I am a huge, huge proponent of property rights and also due process. And both are, are you know, vital to maintaining individual liberty. And the fifth deals with both. So Connor, I was wondering if you could read the actual text of the Fifth Amendment for us. Okay, so keep in mind, we're going to break this down a little bit. And and so uh, if some of these old English <laughs> big words sound, sound weird, just hang tight and we'll kind of break this down. So the Fifth Amendment says, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia when in actual service in time of war or public danger, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, <clears throat> excuse me, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So there's there's several uh, things happening here, Brittany. You can see a lot that's packed in the Fifth Amendment, and it's important to remember as we as we begin to unpack this, what the founding fathers put into these amendments were based on problems that they were seeing with the government, not just the the British government, but governments around the world, mm -hmm. and they wanted to make sure that this brand new government that they were creating would try and avoid some of those problems. And so that leads to like packing all this stuff in the Fifth Amendment like they have here. Yeah. And there, so there are five basic concepts in the Fifth Amendment. I want to focus on three specifically, not that any of them, again, are less important than the other. So let's touch on the first two briefly. The right to a grand jury for felonies and double jeopardy. Connor, would you mind giving us kind of a simple description? I know they're like very complex, but if you can give us kind of a simple description of what those are. Sure. So, you know, think of the jury of your peers, right? Uh, the ability for uh, average people to kind of hold the government accountable and say, no, that's a that's a bad, you know, criminal charge. You shouldn't be bothering Connor. He didn't do anything wrong. And so juries are, are very important. Uh, there's some really uh, fun stories. In fact, in one episode uh, in the future, we'll talk about jury nullification uh, a bit more. There's some fun. Uh, oh, we have. We have uh, talked we, about it. We, <laughs> we'll put yeah, it in the show notes. <laughs> that's, that's actually, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten we had crossed that one off the list. There's a really fun story in there of William Penn, who's the founder of Pennsylvania. Yes and uh, resisting this this bad law because uh, he thought it was unjust and that led to this idea of uh, jury nullification. And so this in the Fifth Amendment here, this, this kind of grand jury, it basically protects people from being uh, prosecuted or charged by an out of control uh, government. And so it's, it's a way to kind of keep the government in theory uh, restrained so that people aren't unfairly targeted. The The second uh, one that you mentioned, double jeopardy, this just means that a person cannot be, again, prosecuted or, or kind of charged in court with the same crime twice. 
Um, in other words, if I, um, let's say the government accuses me of, of stealing my neighbor's cow and, and I'm taken to court and they don't have enough evidence. And so the jury says not guilty. Well, the government can't come back, you know, a year later and say, oh, we found new evidence. Uh, we want to charge Connor again, right? Like they can't put me through that twice. That's double jeopardy. And so, um, uh, that that's the concept they're trying to make sure that the government can't come after you again and again and again right like it's saying hey government you get one shot at this so you might uh, want to you know do it right because there won't be a second opportunity to, to to prosecute someone and these are obviously very important details but the next three parts in my opinion are, are really important ones and again they're all important but connor have you ever heard someone say i plead the fifth Oh, I think it's in like every TV show and movie dealing with lawyers and courtrooms, right? It's That's very common. Yeah. So let's talk about what that actually means because it comes directly from the Fifth Amendment. Pleading the Fifth is in reference to your right against self-incrimination. And we're going to unpack that. So, I mean, hopefully none of you are doing anything bad, but let's say you're on trial for a crime. You have the right to essentially not rat yourself out if you're guilty. So by pleading the fifth, you're enacting your right to remain silent, right? You're enacting your right to the Fifth Amendment. You don't have to say anything that might incriminate you. So, so Brittany, what you're saying is next time uh, the kids listening, if their parents ask them if they did something wrong, they can they can say I plead the fifth, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if that works for your kids, Connor. Yeah, come back, it, come it, back to me and tell me. It, it wouldn't work. Uh, I would reply to them and say, oh, that only works in court. <laughs> <laughs> our, our family here is a dictatorship. We're not a court. court. A benevolent dictatorship, right? right? <laughs> so, so the next part of the Fifth Amendment is about uh, something called due process, uh, which is also included in the Fourteenth Amendment that came after the Bill of Rights. We'll talk about that later. But the due process uh, portion here of the Fifth Amendment is really important. It, it makes sure, basically, that the government can't just decide to violate your your right to you know life, liberty, or or property uh, willy nilly or or arbitrarily. Right? There there are two types of due process. The these are big terms, but they're important. There's substantive due process. Substantive means like really important and and foundational and significant okay so there's substantive due process and then there's procedural due process procedural means like uh, process right uh, that's the kind of the uh, implied i guess in the word due process but it's just the process of how like court might play out it means you have the right to be heard it means you can plead your case you can testify you uh you should be able to be told by the government if they're charging you um, the court, you know, that you're being tried in has to be the right court. They can't just like haul you off to some random uh, kangaroo court is, is the nickname, mm -hmm. right? Some random court that doesn't have the right jurisdiction. So, so those are procedural uh, things. That, that's procedural due process. Just making sure that the process itself uh, is fair. And we may uh, say for a later episode, kind of talking about the different courts because different yeah. courts play different roles. But 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 it's important to have procedural due process. Substantive due process is a little bit more complicated and and gets debated, you know, in court and, and what it means. But basically, it's like, you know, if if I am a, a, a barber, right, I have the right to work in, in, in that job. The government can't basically require me to jump through all these hoops and pay all these fees and do all these things to do just a basic you know, job, right? I have the right to get married. I have the right to raise my kids how I want. I have the right to 
buy property and use it. And, and so these are like fundamental things. So substantive due process is, hey, government, if you want to come in and prevent Connor from working in that job or getting married or buying that property or whatever, right? Like you have to overcome some really high hurdles, government, if you want to restrict those like fundamental, right, substantive things. Um, and so there's a really important Supreme Court case. Uh, we can link to it in the, the show notes page if the parents want to read like the Wikipedia or something. But the Supreme Court in this case said that it was not constitutional uh, that this New York law, this is what they were debating over was this law. And the court said it's, it's unconstitutional that this law regulated or restricted the working hours of bakers. Okay. They ruled that, well, the, the, the benefit to the public of having this type of law was not enough to justify the, the substantive right of the bakers to work as they wanted. And so the courts kind of evaluate, well, if we're going to restrict Connor's right for whatever we're talking about, what, what is the public interest? What, what is the reason why this law exists? And is it a good enough reason to restrict uh, Connor's rights? So that, that's the substantive due process. It just really ties to like, we have these important rights that, that exist before government was ever created. And so if government comes around and is like, hey, Connor, we're going to restrict your right to do that. Well, I need to have this Fifth Amendment substantive due process protection so that I can challenge what the government is doing and say, no, 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 this is a, an important substantive right. And if you want to restrict it, you got to have a really, really good reason. And then that is what's debated in the court. And this is really complicated stuff. So as Connor said, we'll post some links because it's 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 very, very normal to be a little bit lost. The law is so complicated for many, many reasons. Um, but there's one part now of the Fifth Amendment that I think is very important, and that's how it protects your property. We talked about the Fourth Amendment, which also deals with property. In fact, that's kind of the main bread and butter when we think of property rights. But the Fifth Amendment has some very important protections, um, and it's called the Takings Clause. And there's actually a lawsuit about to go in front of the Supreme Court called Cedar, what is it, Cedar Point Nursery versus Hasid, which is about the Takings Clause. So I'll, I'll link to that in case parents are interested in reading what that is. But the Takings Clause actually goes all the way back to the Magna Carta. There are other reasons for it. But like Connor said, our founders and framers didn't just like, oh, this sounds good, but put it in the Constitution, right? right? They did these things because they dealt with them before, or like you said, they knew other countries had dealt with them and they didn't want to deal with it. So we've talked about the Magna Carta. This is actually my favorite historical story. We could do a whole episode just on this, but the Magna Carta was the first written document in human history that restrained a ruler and bound them to, to a set of rules, like the Constitution. So this came about because King John, who, side note, is the king from Robin Hood, so if you remember the cartoon, what is it? King uh, John, the phony king of England. Isn't that the, <laughs> the song? Um, but he was going around and eating all his subjects' food. He would just travel to, to all his subjects' like little areas, taking their property without compensating it for it. He would give them sticks with notches in it that were like IOUs, but you couldn't use them anywhere. So he was essentially stealing their property without you know compensating. So the Magna Carta, which the landowners literally forced the king to sign, he kind of didn't have a choice made sure that government couldn't take a person's property while giving them just compensation, um, you know, the value of what something was worth. Now, we have seen this play out with eminent domain, and it's still actually kind of an evil practice where the government can say, you know what, we want to build a highway over your house. So the house that you own that you have loved forever, we're tearing it down. 
and will give you just compensation. But one, a lot of the problems we've seen with that is that sometimes they don't give you just compensation. But there's another part of the Fifth Amendment and uh, the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment that I think is really cool. And that is you have the right to exclude people from your property. There's kind of this thing called a man's house is his castle. Um, so, so if you don't want anyone in your house, you don't have to let them in. You know, someone knocks on your door. You could be like, no, this is my house. So there are a lot of laws that violate this. And the Supreme Court case I talked about earlier in California is one of those where in California for 120 days a year for three days or sorry, three hours a day, private unions are allowed to come on your property, on private business property with bullhorns and screaming and basically saying to the workers, you need to join our union. And so the case that's being debated in front of the Supreme Court in March basically says, no, you have the right to exclude people from your property. And so these unions, and unions are like a bunch of people that join together and and kind of negotiate wages and worker conditions for, for all the workers. So right now what's being debated is, does somebody have the right to come onto your property? And, and Connor, how do you feel about that? Well, what's super important about the stories you're sharing, Brittany, I think, is the fact that the Constitution has some really important parts here in the Bill of Rights that remain issues today. Yeah. I mean, this isn't just stuff that happened in the 1700s and like, oh, that was a different world, a different time. You know, we've evolved since then. Right? <laughs> like, we don't deal with such trifles. I mean, maybe the Third Amendment, right, about like quartering soldiers, like we haven't had to deal with that one so much. Uh, mostly, but you because, never know. <laughs> well, mostly, I was going to say mostly because the government takes so much of our, our money through taxes that it just you know, builds whatever things it needs for the soldiers rather than making us provide for them. But but so many other areas of the Bill of Rights like this are so critical. And and again, Brittany, I think I think we said this when we were talking about the Fourth Amendment, but it certainly applies here. Imagine a country, imagine America without the Bill of Rights, without these protections. I mean the the original constitution itself would not be enough to protect against, yeah. you know, some of these issues that you're raising today. We, we would have no constitutional protections. And so having this Fifth Amendment here has been so critical to, to allow for lawsuits like you're talking about, where some of these government practices can be challenged and overturned. We can put a stop to them because of what is in the Fifth Amendment. And so when you think of just horrible things like government trying to take property from people under eminent domain and saying, oh, we need this property more than you do, you know, like, that's a serious thing. And and we talk about that a little bit in the Tuttle Twins uh, and the Road to Serfdom, how it can be very disruptive to, to someone's life. Uh, there's a lot here in the Fifth Amendment, you guys. Uh, as Brittany said at the beginning, there's like five totally different things all kind of crammed, uh, crammed in here. Each of them, though, was included for very specific reasons. And uh, and so we'll link to some of these resources that you guys can uh, learn more from on the show notes page. Head to TuttleTwins.com slash podcast uh, to find the show notes for this and other episodes. A lot of learning opportunities here to think of the inspiration, I'll call it, of the founding fathers to put some of these protections in place uh, that we still rely upon to this day. So good, uh, good content there, Brittany. Appreciate the conversation. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.